0: This is Eastern Carolina's longest running sports radio show. The Brian Bailey Show is on the air. The Brian Bailey Show is powered by Greenville Utilities and also brought to you by The Angus Grill, Bostic Sug, Bojangles, East Coast Grading, Gavigan Insurance, Greenville Auto World, Papa John's, Greenville Utility Company, Pepsi, The Rick House, Taft, Taft & Hagler, and Tiebreakers. And now, here's Brian Bailey.
1: Happy Monday, everybody. Happy Labor Day Monday. It is a holiday, and we certainly appreciate you joining part of our show today on this holiday Monday. Coming up, East Carolina falls at Michigan. 30-3 to was the final. Donnie Kirkpatrick, offensive coordinator, joins us live from his office over at East Carolina to kind of dive into the Michigan tape and then preview the Marshall game coming up. The home opener against the Thundering Herd at 4 o'clock on Saturday at Dottie Ficklin Stadium. But it is a happy Monday to you on this Labor Day Monday, and we'll have Coach K coming up after this. The Angus Grill is your premier spot for the best burgers, cheesesteaks, and brisket sandwiches around. Join us for our unmatched variety of burger combinations, from the Mushroom Bacon Swiss Burger to the Jalapeno Popper Burger to the original Angus Classic. Pair that burger with our amazing onion rings, tots, fries, or sweet potato fries. Angus Grill, with four amazing locations in eastern North Carolina, including Winterville near Pitt Community College, on Jarvis Street in Uptown Greenville, and on Statensburg Road near the hospital. It's the best burger around, guaranteed. East Coast Grill. Grading and Utilities is your source for clearing, hauling dirt, and concrete work. East Coast Grading and Utilities
0: handles all sewer and water issues as well.
2: I'm David Vaughn.
1: Whether putting in a new subdivision or helping you with any and all of your drainage problems, I can get the job done. Call me at 531-7494. No job is too big or too small. East Coast Grading and Utilities. Friends helping friends. 531
3: 7494 for East Coast grading and utilities it's bow time chicken or biscuits. That's an impossible choice. How can you decide between Bojangles perfectly crispy, boldly seasoned chicken or their fluffy made from scratch buttermilk biscuits? Well, the good news is you don't have to. With a Cajun chicken filet biscuit, you get the best of both worlds. An all white meat chicken breast marinated with a bold blend of seasonings and served up on a fluffy golden buttermilk biscuit. When it comes to real deal southern flavor, there's no reason you can't have it all. Order a Cajun chicken filet biscuit today. It's bow time.
0: Hey, Birdland, experience one of Oriole Park at Camden Yard's best values with the completely redesigned Pepsi all-inclusive Picnic Perch with an updated brand and a fresh new look. Enjoy exclusive club level access with left field club seating and an all-inclusive food and beverage menu, including hot dogs, pulled pork barbecue, assorted Pepsi drink products and more. Take advantage of this great deal now. Tickets start at just $45. Buy your tickets at oriolescom dot slash Picnic Perch.
3: This is Dr. Josiah Duke from Orthopedics East and Sports Medicine Center. Our practice has been caring for the athletes at ECU and the residents of Eastern North Carolina for more than 35 years. Whether it's treatment for your sports injury or it's that time for a joint replacement, Orthopedics East provides the latest in operative and non-operative orthopedic care. We also offer on-site physical therapy and MRI services as well as walk-in urgent care on weekends from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Call us at 757-BONE or visit us online at orthoeast.com. Go Pirates! Have you
4: ever seen those exotic aquariums like the guys do in Las Vegas on television? You ever thought about having one of these aquariums in your business? It's more affordable than you think. This is Hal Pruitt with Rentafishtank.com.
2: We can make having an aquarium in your business turnkey with no work, cleaning, or hassles for you. Rentafishtank.com creates a relaxing atmosphere and keeps children occupied. Rentafishtank.com
4: already services many dental, pediatric, and doctor offices, plus hospitals and senior living centers. Check us out at Rentafishtank.com.
2: Pirate Radio. Being a part of the program, being a student athlete at ECU, they are going to be very much in the spotlight. The voice
0: of the Pirate Nation. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities. Working for our community, not for shareholders. Now, back to the show.
1: All right, welcome back on this Monday, a holiday Monday. Happy Labor Day, everybody. As we talk pirate football, East Carolina falling to number two Michigan by the final of thirty to three on Saturday in front of one hundred nine thousand four hundred and eighty. What a crowd it was! What a neat experience going to the big house. Obviously, it didn't go the way the purple and gold wanted it to go, but still thirty to three, the final. Pirates fall by twenty-seven in that opening game. Donnie Kirkpatrick scheduled to join us, the offensive coordinator at East Carolina. We are trying to track him down as we speak. Uh, when you look at the game, obviously Mason Garcia, he would get the start in the game, and Garcia would have uh, a little bit of a struggle early on. The plan early on was for East Carolina to, to switch up the quarterbacks after three or four series. Uh, Garcia did throw that interception. That was the first turnover for the Pirates in a span of eight games. The last time the Pirates had turned the football over was back at Tulane on October the 8th, 2022. Uh, that was at 24 49 loss at Tulane down in New Orleans and I uh, remember that play that was a whole Aylers pass over the middle into the end zone uh, interception but since that time the Pirates had yet to turn it over and you really turned it over only once against the number two team in the nation in front of 109,000 plus so uh, not a bad outing as far as that goes that's one of the things one of the keys to trying to win the game was trying to limit the turnovers and the Pirates did that with only the one Tio uh, Garcia by the way 11 of 18 80 yards with with the one pick and he also had a team high 36 rushing yards on 8 carries in the game Alex Flynn also played the quarterback position he was 6 of 11 for 52 yards I thought Alex came in uh, in that second quarter gave the Pirates a little bit of a, a little bit of a lift at times and uh, just trying to figure out what they're going to do with quarterback after the game Mike Houston did say that this may be a two quarterback team now there's the other adage that says if you have two quarterbacks you really don't have any quarterbacks but in this situation with both quarterbacks with so much inexperience it may be the fact that you play the Marshall game, you play both again, and you try to find the one that's going to give you the best chance to win the football game. So uh, I think that's the thinking right there, but Flynn and Garcia combined with the one interception thrown by Mason Garcia, Rajay Harris was back. I uh, didn't have a whole lot of running room at all. Uh, he was clogged up the entire, the entire game, 22 yards on his five rushes. Uh, he did have a little scamper. Uh, I think it was like for 16 at one point. Jay, Bond making his first collegiate experience. He had 16 yards on four attempts, and he had 31 receiving yards. He had one over the middle that he had a nice gainer on. So uh, that was another positive for East Carolina. I thought Archer Trafford, the punter with five punts for 245 yards he averaged 49 yards a kick they weren't pretty punts at all but they were very effective take it back to the first uh, possession and when he kicked that football and got uh, michigan down inside the five yard line that was a key early on in fact that interception that mason garcia ended up throwing kind of flipped the field but the pirates had the uh, wolverines exactly where they wanted it for a little bit uh, early on in the game, trying to limit the damage as far as that goes. A 7 nothing game after the first quarter, and then Michigan would tag on and uh, lead 23 nothing at the half. The goal line stand I think that uh, the Pirates came up with in that second half. Uh, I think that showed a lot of resilience for the uh, defensive players, and I think they were they were fired up about that. Gave the Pirates a little bit of a spark at that point, but it was just one of those games you're playing against a team that's just bigger, faster, stronger, and I think when you go up against a team with that much talent. This is a Michigan team, not only picked in the you know the top five in the country, picked number two by most polls, or all the polls, but they're a team also that has been in the playoff before and they're looking to get back there. And I think that they uh, they looked the part, at least through, uh, through one game. I was going to share some of this later on, but as we're trying to get up with Coach Kirkpatrick, uh, I will tell you that uh, just being at uh, Michigan Stadium, the 109,480, that was just incredible. Uh, being on the field what I thought about being in the tunnel, you know, both teams come out of the same tunnel. The locker rooms are across from one another. And just thinking back to all the big games in the history of that stadium, just think to when it's cold in November and Ohio State is there and it's for one of those big Michigan-Ohio State games and the Buckeyes are in, in one locker room and uh, you know, the Wolverines are in the other and just, just uh, you know, some of the, you know, I know that there have been some pushing and shoving in that in a tunnel before with both teams coming out of the same one, but it uh, didn't happen this week. But ju- just the history and, and seeing some of you know Michigan's playing football for so so long, and that stadium is so old, but it's it's really it's really humongous. And you know the two press boxes, uh, one on one side one on the, I guess the luxury boxes on the other side, but they were just uh, just huge. And to get a hundred nine thousand in there, the place actually seats one hundred seven six zero one, but to get that many people in the stadium, it was a maze out. So you saw all of that yellow all through out and you saw some little dabs of purple here and there. I really thought that East Carolina traveled very well. I think the Pirates, you know, the fans that were there and just everything as far as that goes was really a positive. I think a lot of people had put this on their bucket list and wanted to, hey, we want to go support the Pirates at Michigan. They knew the Pirates were going to be big underdogs, but they were there. We were down in in, uh, downtown Ann Arbor on Friday night, and you wouldn't believe the purple and gold. People just walking around. One of the waitresses where we were at said, we didn't expect this kind of, uh, uh, you know, Rush from all these purple and gold fans and all these pirate fans, and you guys really travels. What they said, so that was encouraging to see. Uh, so it was a, a big time as far as that goes. But I think a, a very positive experience when we get a hold of Coach Kirkpatrick. We want to find out if we can and uh, what his thoughts were on the entire thing as far as the experience, because that's something that that you know when you play a team that's a, that's a huge favorite, which Michigan was. I mean, I don't know what anybody else expected, but Michigan was a thirty-six point favorite. They were expected to go in there and I think some people expected East Carolina just to roll over which the Pirates did not I think the defense played you know pretty solid and pretty solid football game offensively you know the pirates struggled to get things going trying to move the chains but they're going up against really good defense and I wanted to see when we get up with coach Kirkpatrick what he saw on film what he saw as far as you know did the Pirates not have the physicality to compete or did the Pirates just make some little errors here and there that they couldn't crack you know up play couldn't crack a run couldn't do that kind of thing so we're going to take another break right now we're going to try to round up coach Kirkpatrick he was scheduled to be with us so we're going to try to find him we'll be back with more on the Brian Bailey show on this Labor Day Monday after this
3: The icy treat that can't be beat is Sparky Snowballs. From big kids to little kids, Sparky Snowballs has been making smiles happen for over 20 years. If you're not in the mood to chill out with a snowball, Sparky's funnel cakes and fried Oreos are a perfect Sparky-licious treat every time. Are you having an event, party, or fundraiser? Call Sparky's to come on site. Remember to follow Sparky's on Facebook or visit SparkySnowballs.com to see where they'll be next.
0: For the latest from the world of golf... Tune in every Saturday morning from 8 to 10 for the Golf Shop Radio Show, presented by PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com, the golf capital of the world. Hosts Mark Greenhelch and Matt Blanchard talk golf from tee to green and everything in between. If you like golf, you're going to love Golf Shop Radio. Before you tee up, drop on in. Welcome to the Golf Shop.
2: Before anyone walks into your business, the outside is what they see. Make sure your first impression is a good impression with the right curb appeal. Hi, this is Daniel Andrews from Dan Andrews Lawn Service. We specialize in making your business look great. Let us handle all your professional landscaping needs. We do it all so you don't ever have to worry. Residential services are also available. Call us today at 717 8006 and we'll come out and give you a free quote. Taking care of your landscaping needs is all we do, and we've been doing it for over 20 years. You can trust our reliable team at Dan Andrews Lawn Service covering all of Eastern North Carolina.
3: Jimmy John's has great taste wrapped up. All your favorite Jimmy John's sandwiches are now available as a wrap. Enjoy all natural meats, cheeses, and hand-sliced veggies bundled into a convenient grab-and-go wrap that's made when you order it. Top it off with sensational sides, including new homestyle potato salad and bow tie pasta salad. Wrap your taste buds around Jimmy John's new wraps, and don't forget their loyalty app with a free sandwich after your first visit. Jimmy John's in Greenville and Wilson and online at jimmyjohns.com.
0: This is Dale Murphy, two-time National League MVP and number three with the Atlanta Braves. And you're listening to Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. You're listening to the Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities. Community-owned utilities mean local control, low rates, and high reliability. Now, back to the show.
1: right, welcome back to our show. Still trying to Get up with Donnie Kirkpatrick, offensive coordinator. We've got some phone issues going on because Coach K was ready to go when he was supposed to be ready to go at 12.03, but we couldn't get hooked up. Do we got him now? All right, we've got him now. Coach Kirkpatrick, how are you?
4: Uh, You know what? I'm okay. Thumbs
1: up, I guess. So uh, we'll go with that. There you go. We we apologize for the technical difficulties, but I guess when you looked at the film uh, from the Michigan game, there may have been some technical difficulties there as well, right?
4: I think, Brian, this is just your age is what this is. I think you're right. uh, I can't
1: see the digits anymore. That's probably right. Clip was doing the digiting, but you're probably right about that as well. He might uh,
4: might have been calling
1: Harbaugh.
4: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. When
1: when you looked at the tape, what did you see from your offense against Michigan?
4: Well, We didn't see enough. I mean, you know, of that, of productivity, obviously. I mean, that's Captain Obvious, I guess, but you know, I have a good look at it from the press box, so it probably showed me about what I thought. But the uh, the big thing, you know, that we addressed was that uh, we just got in the beginning of the of the first quarter. We just didn't capitalize on, on the situations we had. Uh, you know, we uh, our quarterback's going to be a really good player, and uh, I think he might have been just a little too concerned about maybe not making mistakes and wasn't quite as aggressive as. I would have liked for him to have been. So me and him got to do a better job being on the same page. In that we we had some we had some throws that we didn't take through the RPO game, you know, which is the run pass option. And uh, of course we you know we'd also stress that you don't have to go out there and win the game by yourself. And, you know you know it's a it's a tough environment to start with on the road, and you you know you just kind of want to get in the flow of the game and. We had great field position, or not necessarily we had great field position, but we had them backed up, you know, the first two possessions. So you do want to play smart, but we, we had some, some RPOs open that we handed it off, should have thrown it. And then the uh, second series, or even the first third down, we had the guy wide open and we just underthrew him. And uh, then in the second series, we, again, we, Jalen Johnson just turned the nickel back totally around, but we didn't pick the twist up. And he got hit throwing it, went through it, and it was a big turnover. It was the only turnover of the day, but it was a turnover. I think turned the momentum, got them out of the bad field position. They were able to take it down and score. So, you know, I think that was the big thing we saw was we just missed some opportunities. Now they're really good. They're outstanding defensively and, uh, you know, it was just as a team all together. So you have to take advantage of all the opportunities because they're not going to give you.
1: In your 39 years as an assistant, how many times have you played in front of over 100,000?
4: I got I got to think that's the first time. You know, yeah. I lived in Michigan, coached at Eastern Michigan. You know, Davis, my son, was born there in Ann Arbor. Uh, we went over there a lot. We did a lot of stuff with their staff uh, in different ways. In fact, we practiced in their indoor facility when the, when the weather was really bad. But I'd never played in the, that stadium, and so. You know, been to Penn State. I think it's up there about 100 or something, so I guess that would be the other one. Florida's up there pretty high, you know. We we played in that Superdome, but Tulane didn't pack that thing. No, not really, did they? They didn't, they didn't quite draw that crowd, although we did have a nice crowd for the uh, the bowl game down there. But, yeah, that's a, it's a historical place. You know, it's a bucket list place to go. It was really great to see all the Pirate fans make the trip and come up there, and, and that was very noticeable for our, our players and, and, and our team.
1: Yeah, I was talking about that before we hooked up with you. Just just being there and going through the tunnel, and what I thought about was was you know all the Michigan Ohio State wars through the years, and all the big games that have been played there through the years, and and the way the locker rooms are set up, you know, one across from the other, and you go out of the same tunnel. I mean, th- there was just some neat things about that place.
4: Yeah, I can I can see how they they had a little issues there. Yeah. a year or so ago when, with with the way the tunnel was set up. Uh, it, it that was kind of, you know, I think my thoughts when we went over there to the stadium on Friday, um, you know, and just uh, then even maybe the pregame, thinking about all the, the big games, you know, just back 100 years ago. Uh, and most of those probably believe the big games were with Ohio State because that's kind of been the deal in the Big Ten. So I think it was a great experience for for our team. I think we'll grow from it. We, we, we surely would have liked to have played better and, and had a closer game. Again, it would have been a tough win. I think we all knew that. We we didn't concentrate a lot on you know winning the game. We we, we just concentrated on the process and how what you'd have to do to win a game like that. Um, you know, I hope that our kids will grow. We, we had fifty-eight kids there that were new to the program out of our seventy. That's probably too many to to expect too much success early in the year. You know, what I'm saying, but the schedule is what the schedule is. So we don't have time to sit around and really dwell too much on the Michigan game. You know, now for two days, we've, we've been on the Marshall Thundering Herd, and, you know, we're really looking forward to the home opener seeing them down here.
1: When this offense is clicking, regardless of who the quarterback is, the running game gets it started, and, and, and that was had to be frustrating on Saturday. What did you see on tape as far as the running game?
4: Yeah, you know, we, we're we an RPO offense that likes to run the ball. So if you'll give us a chance to run the ball – that's when we're at our best and and we were at our best you know since I've been back you know last year obviously Keaton Mitchell had a lot to do with that and uh, we'll we'll have another Keaton Mitchell here pretty soon I think and Raj, is surely going to hit his stride but we really weren't able to run the ball and uh, you know at the same time we didn't want to just get into a drop back throwing game because they Rushed the passer so well, and I didn't think that would be you know to our advantage. So we did; we were able to stay balanced. And like I say, you know, early we were pinning them back. Our our punt team did a great job, uh, put them back like on the one, and the defense stoned them. And we got the field position, you know, in the exchange of punts. And that's why I say we we underthrew the guy when we missed the twist, and we had a really good opportunity to score first. But we were in the game, you know. I thought throughout the first half we. Late in the second quarter, we again we had a good drive. We dropped the pass. uh we caught another ball that we thought we caught. They said he didn't catch it. We thought it was a fumble out of bounds and happened to be they had twelve guys on the field anyhow, so we should have gotten that penalty and been in the worst in third and three when a four down territory. So we still were in that game. Uh second half, I guess they came out and scored early and you know, probably it, gotten a pretty good lead. Now I'm really proud of the kids though. If they didn't quit. I thought the fourth quarter we competed. Uh we still didn't score enough points. Uh, no question about that. But I did think Mason came back in and played pretty well in the fourth quarter.
1: Coach take us back through the the first touchdown for Michigan. Obviously JJ McCarthy, it looked like he was past the line of scrimmage. Play was reviewed and when the video came up on the big board, I don't know if you could hear this or not from where your your vantage point. But when the video came up on the big board, a hundred thousand people gasped. So they all knew that he went past the line of scrimmage, but somebody in the replay booth decided that he didn't. What is the yeah. what is the protocol now for East Carolina? Can you guys send that in as you know? Just say, hey, can you guys explain this that kind of thing?
4: Yeah, we actually do. You know that it, that's that's exactly what happened I, in the press box. I could see their bench. And they 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 were already getting the offense ready, or the field goal team. is actually, yeah, I guess they're going to go field goal ready because they knew that he was. They saw the same thing that everybody else saw. Yeah. I don't know how I don't know how they missed that call. I know that uh, we do. We we tag all the plays that we have questions. We we sent in twelve plays uh, to the National Officiation Association, and they review it. And we just got that back this morning. And I I don't know that I'm probably supposed to be the one to reveal all this. Six of the calls they missed. And that was obviously one of them. The the 12 men on the field, they didn't call them for having 12. There were a couple other things like that, too. So there were six of the 12 we sent in. Uh, they reviewed and said that they were wrong now. It don't do you much good. <laughs> I was going to say, it doesn't do you know, any good, does it? You, you, don't, you don't get to start on first base next game. <laughs> that's right. But – I guess it gives you a little bit of satisfaction that you're not crazy, or at least you know the rules. You, you know, I was pretty sure they couldn't have 12 out there. We're pretty sure you can't go across the line of scrimmage before you throw the ball. So we, we are teaching the right thing, I think. So anyhow, yeah, interesting situation there. But I don't think we were expecting to get any calls, you know, in the Big Ten area of the arena up there. But, uh, you know, you'd like to add it a little bit closer.
1: Yeah, that was that was disappointing because, like I said, when a hundred thousand fans all gasped, and everybody on the sideline was saying the same thing, and and then when they came up with that, as Coach Houston kind of joked afterwards, he said maybe he had a toenail that was still uh, behind that line, but I don't think he did, and I think that now we know that that was a uh, a missed call, but yeah, you know, they can't do anything about it now. It's uh, can't cry over spilled milk. All right, so so when you when you look to move forward, what's one of the things that when you guys get together for practice uh, on Tuesday? You you guys have been together a little bit to work the soreness out and everything, but Tuesday and Wednesday are your big days as far as the heavy workload, as Coach Houston says. What are some of the things on offense you want to really, really dive into?
4: Well, the the first things we and we, we really have already addressed these things because we do have a light workout on on Sunday. So these are some things, the procedural things that we can we can do better. For example, we had uh, two P and tens as we call them, which are the first play of a possession. To where we got a 25 second clock. And I tell you what, now they're spotting it fast. They've trying to speed the game up more and more. And we kind of got out there late and mulled around a little bit. And, you know, you got some idea to do with, with the, they had a couple of new looks, which you're always going to expect. And just new quarterback, new center. We had to call timeouts. So we wasted two timeouts in the first half. Those are coaching errors. Those, those are things we're very hard on ourselves about. We've got to get our kids to understand. They got to get out there, you know, and and we got new coaches. We got new people on the sideline, you know, for a lot after having some really good continuity here for the last seven years with, with me and Coach Houston. We've had more change on offense than ever. So we got to do a better job, and we got to do a better job of getting the players. So we've already addressed that. We still had a procedure where a receiver, you know, jumped, which he should never do. He should, he should be watching the ball. And then coming off the goal line, we had 10 guys on the field and had to call a timeout as well, which, again, we could have used those timeouts, you know, in the second half later there when we were trying to score. We were, you know, in a no-huddle two-minute two, two minute offense. So those things we we cleared up. Now, back to the, you know, the blocking and the tackling and, you know, those type of things, we we're working on trying to make sure that the coaches are coaching things. First, like with me and, you know, Mason or, or it be Alex, you know, when should you throw it? When should we run it? Get us in the right play. You know, what was the communication problem? Why did we not, why were we not on the same page? All those things. Now, Tuesday, we're going to get after, you know, some technique and some hitting and some blocking and, you know, some things and how we can get the run game going a little bit more. You know, you're playing a whole new different scheme. So the the game plan will be different technically, but at the same time, you're going to run your system. So it still comes down to you got to block your guy. You got to make some guys miss. You got to catch the ball. You got to throw it better, you know, and, and, and that's why you practice.
1: Yeah, and when you look back at the Michigan game with the inexperience that you had at quarterback, I mean, you know, as Coach Houston said afterwards again, he he said, I was pleased with how he handled the crowd because some people, you know, some players, they can't handle 109,000. And our kids went out, and really, I I don't think the crowd was that big of a factor. I think it's one of those deals, and maybe it's one of those deals that, that teams show the most improvement from game one to game two, which is the old adage that every coach usually says, but maybe we'll see some of that going into the Marshall game
4: I sure hope so and I think you know playing at home obviously will be a a little bit more of a comforting feeling too but I didn't think the crowd was was an issue now I don't I don't you know 12 o'clock game I think you know they got the same type of deal. you know we don't like 12 o'clock games here I think our crowds are a little more you know rambunctious at the night games as well (laughs) yeah um you know it it, it is a lot of people but I don't know that they're known is the Death Valley, you know, or, or some places that are the loudest type stadiums anyhow. Um, I, I, I But what we practice in noise uh, out here, we, we, you know, we pump the music in as loud as you can do it so that no matter where we would play, you know, we pretty much are on a silent count anyhow. We use the clap and we got a couple of different things that we do. So we were pretty prepared for that, I think. And I don't believe any of our communication problems were, were, were due to we couldn't hear or anything like that. I just think it was just maybe some inexperience of the coaches and the experience of the players and, and maybe put that together, working together that we could have, you know, could have made some things a little easier on ourselves. But truthfully is they're a really, really outstanding team. This is this is a defense that gave up 16 points a game last year, and they got almost everybody returning. You know, it, it was almost to the point where we said, well, we're not sure we want to show the – the players, all the I mean, Penn state won 11 games last year. They had 10 first downs against them. They scored 10 points on offense. They were lucky enough to have a pick six. So they scored 17 overall. You know, we didn't play worth a darn and we had 12 first downs, So I can imagine, you know, they're a pretty good defense and we've talked to some of their guys on the staff. We have to know them and they think they're better than they were last year. Now you never know how the season will play out. Injuries sometimes dictate how good you are or how bad you are, but you know it it really comes down to they were just better than we were on that day, and we just kind of want to be better though than we were. We felt like we had a chance to compete and make the game a little bit closer than than we did so uh home opener this week, Marshall, another good opponent, they had a tough win uh it's a good rivalry game, I think we had a good win last time at their place. I'm sure they're going to be practicing hard this week, wanting to come down here and play us too though.
1: Before we go to break, take us through what the quarterback sees, both Mason and, and Alex. Uh, are there plays designed that they're supposed to, to to do a flat out read as far as the, the you know the, the RPO, or, or they are they some of the plays designed that that's you think you're going to get this look, so they kind of know well, we're expecting this, but we can change to that kind of
4: thing. Yeah, you know the RPO game is uh, I don't know it, it's probably is somewhat complex I think, but. You know, it's it's what we do. So I think our guys are comfortable with that. But there's different types of RPOs. Some they're they're all a run. We're block and run, and that has an option though that you can throw the ball. Now, obviously, you can't throw the ball very deep down the field, right? Obviously, or your your lineman may be downfield, and that you know that's against the rules. So they're they're quick type throws though, and uh, some of them are just free access. The quarterback just has the option. That if they're playing loose coverage on a guy and he has you know one on one coverage, that you can just take it and throw it out there. Holton was amazing at that. He, he never missed an opportunity to turn a you know a throw into a to a, or a run into a throw. Uh, very aggressive, very comfortable doing that. We got to get Mason and Alex maybe taking advantage of that. Both of them missed some opportunities to do that. Some of the other RPOs are where you're reading a defender. You're taking a defender that would be very hard to block on a run play usually the backside linebacker or maybe the roll-down safety. And since it's so hard to block him, you just say, hey, we're going to read him. It's a lot like the triple option is. So if the defender that you're putting in that uh, conflict plays run, you're going to pull the ball out of the belly of the running back, and you're going to throw it to where he's vacated his pass responsibilities. We did miss a couple of those as well in there where we could probably have pulled it and, and taken advantage of the throw. Um uh, and then there's some other ones where you, you read different type things. So um, it's a big part of what we do. You can, some of them, times it's, it's it's kind of gray. And, you know, you, you say, be careful. Don't just turn all of them into throws. But I just think that probably we were a little too conservative early in the game. And, uh, you know, we didn't take advantage of some of those. Some of them are just like bubble screens out there. You know what I'm saying? And we had the advantage. We had them outnumbered. They were stacking the run. They weren't going to let us run the ball You know, early. No defense is going to want to let you run the ball. So we'll get better at that. We've been good at it in practice. We've been good at it in the scrimmages, probably just in the game out of panic just a little bit. So that's where the experience will pay off.
1: Donnie Kirkpatrick, offensive coordinator under Mike Houston at East Carolina, joining us from his office over at ECU. We'll take a commercial break right now. We'll take and we'll wrap things up with Coach K because he's got to get out of here by 1245. So we'll take a commercial break, come back, have more with the offensive coordinator after this.
3: The time to save is now during Bostick Sug Furniture's incredible Labor Day Savings Event. Low, low prices on in stock furniture and mattresses ready for immediate delivery. Look for hot buy savings store wide on Lazy Boy recliners, sofas, and sectionals. Experience your best sleep and save on a comfortable new mattress. Plus, get up to 60 months special financing. It's the biggest sale of the season with the lowest prices of the season. The Labor Day Savings Event on now at Bostic Sug Furniture.
2: Attention athletes and fans, TieBreakers is looking for all-stars. Do you know an athlete who made a game-winning play, scored an amazing touchdown, or hit a huge home run? We're scouting Eastern North Carolina for this month's most outstanding athlete. Go to TieBreakersAthlete.com to nominate your favorite player for the prestigious Athlete of the Month Award. TieBreakers, shining a light on the athletes that make Eastern North Carolina proud. Submit your nomination now at TieBreakersAthlete.com.
1: Hey Miles, isn't it amazing to think our family has been distributing soft drinks since 1923? It certainly
0: is, Landon, and with that comes a lot of change. But what hasn't changed is our dedication and commitment to
1: our customers. I'm Miles Mengees. And I'm Landon Mengees with Minji's Bottling Group. Our family has taken great pride in refreshing our neighbors and we are proud to have remained locally owned and operated for over a century. From our family to yours, we say thank you and are honored to be a part of this wonderful community. Here's to 100 as we celebrate our employees and our customers
0: all over East North Carolina. From generations before us and to future generations. Here's to the next 100 years. Here's to the next 100 years.
3: Papa John's new garlic epic
0: stuff crust pizza is a pizza inspired by our biggest fans with that garlic flavor you all love.
2: Get in. On it. With
0: it. Get the new garlic epic stuff crust pizza for $13.99 only at Papa John's.
2: Hey, pirate fans, Papa John's is the MVP move for game day or any day. Place your order online at papajohn's.com and sign up for Papa Rewards. Papa John's, better ingredients, better pizza. Go, pirates! It's hard to forget how hot it gets around here in the summer. Remember, the hotter it is outside, the harder your A.C. has to work to keep it cool inside. And the more energy it uses to keep you cool, the higher your utility bill will be. Your neighbors at G.U.C. have tips to help you reduce your energy use, such as using fans to cool you down inside and cooking outside when you can in the summer. For more tips, go to GUC.com and look for ways to save. Pirate Radio.
4: We are Eastern North Carolina's football program. In time, we will be North Carolina's football program.
0: The voice of the Pirate Nation. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show powered by Greenville Utilities. Community owned, community powered. Now, back to the show.
1: All right, welcome back. Donnie Kirkpatrick, offensive coordinator for East Carolina, joining us as we get you set for the home opener, East Carolina, and the thundering herd of Marshall coming up on Saturday in a 4 o'clock kickoff from Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. East Carolina extends that streak of not being shut out to 313 games, and they did it at the gun. That field goal was was important in a number of ways, wasn't it coach?
4: well yeah, I know that sounds crazy that you're talking about three points when you you lost about 27 so I don't know maybe some of the gamblers were excited about it too but uh, I, I do and we weren't thinking about the streak right? I, that that was news to me i didn't I didn't know that uh, staff there uh, but I do think it was important because i think if you if you work that hard, you want a little bit of just some satisfaction there that the drive did score, but the other thing I think, any time we could go out there and make a field goal, you know, that's a good thing for us right now. We're coming off a tough year, you know, in the kicking game. I think from last year, which everybody's aware of. I think just building some momentum there, you know, was a good thing.
1: East Carolina and Marshall coming up this week. Coach, when you guys are working on the Marshall game, is there any talk about the history between East Carolina and Marshall back to the plane crash in 1970? Do you guys dwell on that at all? Because it's almost like an instant history lesson that you can give the guys uh, when you have a game like this.
4: You know, we haven't. And uh, I I know that Coach Shankweiler has been working with uh, the upper floor there on some things about them coming back and maybe – Something with the, the, one of the teams coming back and trying to get some of the people. And I think they have one person, I guess, obviously the coach that didn't get back on the plane. I think they've been trying to reach out to him. But as far as the players, I don't know, coach Houston Bay elect to do that later in the week, but we haven't discussed anything about, you know, getting the players involved in that.
1: And many of the players may have seen the movie because that's, that's a, a little easier history lesson to uh, digest, I guess. But, but it's just, uh, you know, Marshall and East Carolina and, and just, you know, the history between the two teams. And then the last time that East Carolina took on the Marshall Thundering Herd, Pirates had that big rally in the fourth quarter, won the game 42 38. Pirates with those 21 points in the fourth quarter. Man, early in the fourth quarter, that game looked bleak, didn't it, coach?
4: <laughs> you know, I don't remember. I just remember the good part. <laughs> I hear you. You blanked out the other part. <laughs> the, the, probably the biggest thing, because we've actually watched the cut-up of this, uh, the game came down to we were on like the half-yard line. Because do you remember they, they took it all the way down there and almost scored? I think we intercepted it on the one half-yard yep. line. There were six seconds left in the game. And, you know, wow, all of a sudden you got to go back out there and you got to you got to run a play and you can't give up a safety you surely can't fumble the ball. So we had worked on this play where uh, the quarterback would roll out and throw the ball out of bounds but throw it as high as he could and try to waste the time. And so we had practiced that, uh, and it really had come back from – you might remember the little meltdown we'd had against Central Florida here back in the previous time I was here when we didn't execute that play – So we had really practiced that play ever since then, and uh, we we did run it well, and we killed the clock. So we have obviously we installed that you know in preseason camp, and that's been the cut up we've shown of that. So the Marshall game has has been kind of on our mind just a little bit through the cut ups of what a tough game that was, what a good win that was, and but I know there's the history of the teams from the bowl game had the big shootout too, so. Uh, you know, we, we had some really good games against them. I know back when Skip was here and when Ruff was here too, always was a tough place to play up there. Uh, you know, and our place is a tough place to play, I think, for the opponent.
1: Marshall comes in after a win, 21-17 on opening day. That was the 600th win in Thundering Herd program history. And they played really well defensively in the second half. The last seven drives, uh, they didn't give up a third-down conversion against Albany. What have you seen in that video?
4: Well, they are. They've got a lot of new transfers in. So, you know, them being the second game of the year, we had done a summer report on them. We usually do the first four opponents and kind of have a little, you know, Scouting report on them going into the season, going into the preseason. Uh, and so, uh, a lot of different names from what we had, though, in the summer report, and that they had a lot of transfers that came late, you know, and came in the summer. So, they got a lot of depth, uh, good defensive line. Tell you what, makes a lot of plays, super aggressive linebackers, uh, a lot of like to blitz the linebackers a lot. It's what we've already, it's really stood out in our minds. So, uh, played really good Saturday. Uh, which you know we expect Marshall to be good. They they've had a long history of winning a lot of football Very very proud program. So they've been good at every level. I remember when I was at Appalachian State. They used to be a rival of ours. You know back when we were in the Southern Conference and then like I say we were in Conference USA. I guess together here we had some really good games and not in the same league. But we got we got a good home and home series. I guess going here where we were able to beat them up there. And so again we got to try to keep that streak going.
1: Pirates lead the all-time series with Marshall eleven to five is the count with that one and and really when you think about you know the type of games that you want to play in the uh, non-conference part of your schedule I mean I think I think a lot of teams like playing like like a big-time opponent like Michigan was and then you get to come back and play teams you know like I think App State's a great game for East Carolina I think Marshall's a great game for East Carolina and then later on you start your conference slate so so this is a, all of a sudden and coaches will say it's a big game because it's the next game. Game on the schedule, right?
4: Well, yeah, they are. You know, they're they're all big games. And you're trying to get as many wins as you can. I, I do think they're, uh, you know, they're regional rivals. I, I think some of our fans really, really embrace the the Marshall and the Appalachian games. I think some of the fans probably don't. I think they'd like to play Michigan and then play Ohio State the next week, probably of <laughs> yeah. the next week, like that too. I'm not sure that'd be very good for the coaching part of us to do that. But they're, they're, it takes all those things. I think it's a good experience for the players. To play some out of region games and different games, you know, I think going to Brigham Young's a good deal. You wouldn't want to do it every year, right? I think it's good to go do that. You know, go to the West Coast, go up to the Midwest, go down to Florida. You know, we played a non conference game with with those guys. So I think you know, in recruiting, that can help you because you get your name out, you you kind of widen your brand a little bit more, more prospects. You know, hear about you because you're in their local news. You're on different TV networks and stuff like that. And I just think you can sell that to the families too. If you come here and you play your four or five years here, we're g- we're going to make these different trips. You know, hopefully there's going to be some bowl game trips in there too. But you're also going to make some other non-conference you know trips are just good experience and, uh, for you. Then eventually lock back in and get some regional rivalries. You know, we we've, we've had great opener last year with North Carolina State and. You know, we've obviously played a lot of the other ACC schools, Virginia Tech, Virginia, North Carolina, you know, those teams. We'd like to get Wake Forest and Duke probably back involved in some of that rotation. I think the fans would like that. I think our players would like that. I think it would help us recruit locally a little bit, too. we got a tough conference you know, already, but it's a spread out type of deal as well. So, you know, I'm kind of glad we're just playing all the non-conference games in a row, and then eventually we'll just switch the switch
1: and get into the conference. After the game, Coach Houston said that maybe this is a team that will have two quarterbacks most of the year. Do you look at this week as a chance to see which quarterback plays better and that one starts? Or do you go into this week saying Mason's gonna get the start again, three or four series in, we're gonna go with Alex, or or what are your thoughts on as far as the quarterback position goes?
4: Well, you know, we were we were in here discussing that early this morning about how we're gonna play it out again and you know, what we're gonna do in practice, how we're gonna rotate the guys and Again, I don't know that uh, we have the total final decision. We're going to try to do what gives us the best chance to win. And uh, I do think it's okay to play more than one quarterback. I know some people probably agree with that. Some people don't. But, uh, you know, I I think it is. Uh, I I still remember winning the the Hawaii Bowl that year when we had to play two quarterbacks. Yes, sir. It all kind of started. So you you don't do it a lot. You know, I I wouldn't want to do it a lot. And I haven't done it a lot, but we'll do whatever it takes. I do think that there's some comfort in knowing that you do have more than one quarterback, though, that you believe in. I thought Alex did a really good job of coming off the bench the other day and giving us a little bit of a lift. He came in. He hit a couple throws. We moved the the ball all the way down the field in, in that drive with him. Like I say, he had two balls that were dropped that he threw really, really great balls on. and I thought it gave us a little bit of a lift. At the same time, we came out in the second half and we didn't move it. We were a little disappointed in that drive, and you know I thought that Mason handled that well. It gave him the opportunity to get on the sideline and see the thing from a different angle and just to relax a little bit. And then when he came back in, I thought he really had a good fourth quarter, and uh, so that was encouraging. So uh, we'll we'll find that combination. It's not like you're playing the non-conference games. And they don't matter because they surely do. But I do think that we'll have it worked out for sure by the time we do get into the conference play.
1: Tom Landry played Craig Morton and Roger Staubach. He would send the plays in with the quarterbacks, and if he was able to win with that, I'm okay with with two quarterbacks.
4: All right. Well, now that it's the Cowboys thing, I probably change. My- <laughs>
1: I knew that was coming, but I had to throw it out there. You know, I got a guest and I got a producer that hate the Cowboys, and uh, that's just that's just how it goes. But Coach Houston likes the Cowboys, so uh, there you go with that. Donnie Kirkpatrick, as we wrap things up with the Pirate offensive coordinator, well, what are some of the things that, that you hope to see out of your quarterbacks coming up this week at practice? And, and and everybody, we didn't even talk about Rajay. I thought Rajay has looked great all summer long, as far as the way he's running the football. His smile is back, and we didn't see burst through but you know there was some reasons for that with number two michigan but i think he's gonna have a big day coming up on saturday
4: yeah he's got to you know he had the one good run we popped it back off the backside there and did it we you know when the game got a little bit probably you know unwinnable they're probably down 30 we weren't going to just waste him you know, in in a game like that, because he's got a lot of heavy lifting to do the rest of the season. So we'll start getting good as we get him going. You know, talking about the the running back. So I was really excited about J.V. Bonner, our true freshman. Uh, I thought he had a really a difference maker game, and I think you'll see him a lot more because of of what he did uh, in in just in that first game. He he's exciting. So. We're going to try to get him the ball a little bit more and get him involved in it. And uh, we'll get this thing clicking. I'm pretty confident that we'll get better each week. And we're we're just looking for to play better. I mean, it's just really a matter of, you know, you, you have a play and you block them well and the guy gets open and you don't make the throw. But then the other time they block them well, you make a good throw, we dropped it. You know, you just got to put it all three phases together in the passing game. You got to get protect. You got to throw it good. You got to get open. You got to catch it. In the run game, it's a lot of that too. You just got to get hat on hat. and Get a little bit more movement. You know, we got to knock some people off the ball a little bit. We're we're talking to the offensive line about being a little bit nastier. Okay, getting a little bit more movement up front. Now we did have one guy, Dustin Hall, our, our center, who I thought played outstanding, and he kind of really, really is starting to show us that he may be the leader of that group. And obviously, doing it against Michigan is one thing, and you got to come back now and do it against Marshall.
1: That's one thing about that offensive line, as Coach Ruff would say, it's not you know five pennies, it's one nickel. And you got to find you know, not necessarily the five most talented guys on the offensive line, but the five guys who are going to work the best together, and that had to be a heck of a challenge against Michigan.
4: Well, it was, and that's exactly how the O-line has to play. They have to play as a unit. Now, one thing I'm very, very proud of the offensive line, and, and we did help them some of the tight ends and the running backs in protection. We didn't have a sack. Their, Michigan's really, really disappointed that they didn't get a sack because they get a lot of sacks, you know. Uh, and, and I saw where they graded their D-line really, really low. So some genius that thinks he knows football. <laughs> gave a bad mark because they didn't get a sack. But they did pressure the quarterbacks, which sometimes is more effective because the pressure is what caused the, inter, the interception, actually. But I am proud of the line because I thought we passed protected from what we asked them to do. A lot better than I was afraid we would we would be able to do, and, and we'll continue to get better at that. But we we won't be a good just drop back and throw it team if we can't run the ball and keep the defenses honest. So we will try to get back to doing that a little bit
1: more. And that's got to be the key against Marshall. You got to get that ground game cranked up early on, and then uh, and then let her
4: fly, right? Yeah, man. Yeah,
1: we're going to do it. That's it. That's the plan. There you go. That is the plan. Donnie Kirkpatrick, offensive coordinator, joining us on this holiday Monday. Coach K, thanks so much for your time. We certainly appreciate it. We know you're busy putting the game plan together, and we'll see you at Daddy Flickin coming up on Saturday.
4: All right. I appreciate you, man. Thank
1: Thank you. you. Donnie Kirkpatrick, offensive coordinator under Mike Houston at East Carolina. We'll take another commercial break. We'll come back, and we'll wrap up this edition of the Brian Bailey Show on this Labor Day holiday Monday right after this. The Rick House is Eastern North Carolina's premier restaurant and bourbon authority. Jefferson's, Basil Hayden, Woodford Reserve, and a midwinter night's dram are just a few of the incredible bourbon options. The Rick House features the very best steaks and fresh, made-from-scratch pastas. The Rick House can host your corporate event or special parties in the 3,000-square-foot banquet hall. Join the Rick House for Sunday brunch from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. and for the wine tastings on the last Friday of every month. The Rick House. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Have you heard? Green Auto World is under new ownership and is now part of the DriveHearNow.com network. DriveHereNow.com is run by local people who buy, service, detail, and sell everything directly to you. Green Auto World is now the fifth dealership to join the DriveHereNow.com network. Get car shopping today at DriveHereNow.com and choose a location near you. DriveHereNow.com, serving Eastern North Carolina for over 47 years and proud supporter of the Pirates.
3: Greetings, friends of Eastern North Carolina. If you're looking for a great place to work with competitive pay and a multitude of advancement opportunities, Pitt County Schools is hiring. We employ over 3,500 people and we're one of the largest employers in Pitt County. We are currently seeking teachers, bus drivers, school nutrition personnel, facility staff, custodians, clerical staff and more. We offer advanced leadership opportunities for our educators and competitive pay for our skilled labor force. If you want to be part of a thriving school system that focuses on educating students, growing our employees, and promoting positive mental and physical health initiatives, we encourage you to become a part of our Pitt County Schools family to help ensure success for the future of Eastern North Carolina. To fill out an application, visit our website today at PittSchools.org. That's PittSchools.org. And remember, education is truly a team effort. Pitt County Schools. Live and lead.
2: Hey, John,
0: I uh, see your new system's having issues already. Yeah, I used the other guy with an AC brand I've never heard of. You should have used Delcor, John. They install train. It's hard to stop a train. I know, but the other guy was cheaper. Cheaper isn't better, John. I know. I know.
3: Don't use the other guy.
0: Call Delcor for a limited time. Buy a new train system and pay 0% interest for 12 months. Visit Delcor.com for more details. Delcor, the service professionals.
3: Are you having a hard time participating in the activities you love due to pain? Well, then you need a good stretch or perhaps a massage. At Bodies & Balance, they offer massage therapy, assisted stretching, and grassland techniques to help provide solutions. With years of experience, the team at Bodies & Balance can create a stretch or massage program that is right for you. Mention Pirate Radio to get your first free stretch and your first massage for only $1 per minute. Call 916-4530 to get on the schedule, or you can visit them online at Bodies & Balance. I
0: intend to see to it that any man who sails under a pirate flag or wears a pirate brand gets what he deserves. Pirate Radio. I think it'd be rather exciting to meet a pirate. The Voice of the Pirate Nation. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities, providing reliable utility solutions to the Greenville region since 1905. Now, back to the show. All
1: right, welcome back to our show, wrapping up this edition of The Brian Bailey Show on this holiday Monday. Big. Weekend of sports to come. The NFL cranks up on Thursday night. Lions and the Chiefs. And then, of course, the complete schedule coming up on Sunday and Monday. College football week one finishes up actually tonight with uh, Clemson and Duke. I'm anxious to see what Clemson looks like after what we saw what Florida State looked like against LSU. But uh, I didn't see that beatdown coming. Cliff Brock joins us. What did you think of that game?
2: Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of weird that it got so out of control because it was pretty back and forth for a while. Uh a lot of miscues and, and I'll, we're going to talk to donny kirkpatrick later this week east carolina had some drops uh jari patterson had one go right through the yeah i hated to see that arms and he's the,
1: had such a great camp yeah, too yeah. and he
2: had some other guys but i was thinking last night watching these
1: that's a big bonehead play yeah exactly receivers
2: drop passes so it, ha- it happens everywhere what do you do to clean that up but yeah, that one, uh, that one got out of hand last night. Florida
1: State looks like it uh, could be the real deal. Chandler said a lot of folks were reacting to what Coach Kirkpatrick said about the, uh, the missed calls against Michigan, and uh, they sent 12 in. Six of them, uh, they decided were actual missed calls, and the touchdown shouldn't have been a touchdown when J.J. McCarthy went past the line of scrimmage. And and that's unfortunate because that's what replay is all about. You know, When you have replay, you're expecting to, to be able to get that call right. And, and my point again, if you didn't hear it earlier, when 100,000 people see it on those huge video screens that Michigan had and everybody gasped. You knew that everybody thought that it was going to come back. Michigan's team thought it was going to come back, but it didn't. Mike Tirico and Chris Sims and all those guys in the booth were talking about, oh yeah, this is definitely coming back and they were even shocked to see that the, the final result was that it, that it stood. I had a chance to see Mike Tirico. He was at the East Carolina walkthrough at uh, the big house at Michigan Stadium on Friday afternoon. He was talking to Coach Houston and John Gilbert and uh, getting set for his break. He's, he's from around there. He had a Detroit Tiger hat on and uh, they were asking about it and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm from around here and just came over to, to welcome you guys to Michigan. I tell you, the fans in, at Michigan, everywhere we went, they were really, really accommodating, really nice folks. I mean, they, and they 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 were like, "Hey, welcome to Ann Arbor, welcome to Michigan." So that was that was kind of neat to see. It really wasn't any animosity or anything like that. Of course, if the Pirates had pulled the upset, it might have been a little different story. When you're thirty six point favorites, exactly. nice post. they'll probably be nice to UNLV this week too. I would they? imagine yeah, so. Yeah, I think so. But uh, yeah, I was interested to, to hear from, from Donnie about and about the quarterback situation as well, because you know, I, I think looking at what Donnie and those guys are going through, they just they really would like for one of those guys just to, to rise to the the top and and just you know. Make it a no decision, you know, and I, they, they don't have
2: that yet. I'm in the minority. I kind of like the two quarterback system. I like something different. I, I want to see both of those guys go in and play well, well and move the ball.
1: And I think I think the, in the situation they're in, the more experience they can give both guys, because we all know injuries are a part of college football. So if both guys can get some experience and have some success, I think that you know that's going to pay dividends down the line. So if one of them uh, does get hurt, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm not totally against you know the two quarterback deal. I think it's funny but every other position out there you know Roger Harris comes out of the game and another running back goes in and nobody goes crazy nobody goes nuts but when it's the quarterback position it seems to, to be a completely different story
2: and I get it I mean we've talked to Bryce Williams that year that Kirk Benker went down and East Carolina had to go with Blake Kemp and James Summers he has said that he wished they would have just kind of given it to Kemp let Summers do his thing at receiver running back and, yeah. and be a star but they, they tried to go two quarterback so it does mess maybe with the receivers and things like that. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I want to see both those guys go out there Saturday. That
1: was the year Summers won the Heisman, wasn't
2: it? Uh, he won it on uh, the Virginia Tech game. <laughs> yep. That one
1: game. <laughs> he, Troy Dreyfus he, he, Memorial that's Heisman. That's right. That's right. That was, that was hilarious. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was an outstanding player. Yeah. Don't take anything away from him there. But, but yeah, just uh, what do you think about the Marshall game? I, I think it's a great game for East Carolina to play. I think Marshall will travel well. They'll bring some fans down here. I think the history between the two schools, as yep. we said, the plane crashed from seven the 64-61 bowl game how many overtimes was that three I think it was, oh, yeah, it was a triple right. OT um, and, and then the comeback that East Carolina had against uh, against Marshall the last time these two teams played so in talking to Donnie Donnie, he, I think he was serious he didn't remember anything about, about being down that much he just remembered all the positive stuff in the fourth quarter but that was one of them one for the ages for Holt Naylor's and company to come back and win that football game up in Huntington West Virginia because it did look bleak to start the fourth quarter and that one, but we're looking forward to everything with the game coming up. The home opener, you guys will be on the air with the Bud Light pregame tailgate at high noon, correct? Yeah, yep. high noon. Looking so, to it. we'll be with you for that and uh, complete coverage, of course, uh, all week long right here on Pirate Radio. And, of course, on Saturday, the Bud Light pregame tailgate. You got your fifth quarter. How'd that go the other day? Good? Uh,
2: yeah, went, went good. Uh, had a lot of uh level headed takes, I thought. So, uh, now you lose to Marshall and, and things could go a little haywire, or if you beat Marshall, people are going to be fired up getting ready for a big game against the app so look that was uh, to me it felt like an exhibition
1: game. right it didn't even feel like a real game and uh, it was kind of surreal being up there because you know you, you know you're on a different stage i mean you, you're just and that's just how it is right now in college football you know you've got the, the, the not only the power five there are a whole lot of power fives he's kind of can go on the road and beat no, no, question. But when you're going up against one of the elite power fives and a team that's you know trying to get back into the uh, college football playoff and that's what you, what you got. But 30-3 the final in game one. On to game two Marshall and East Carolina at 4 o'clock coming up on Saturday. Clip, thanks so much for all of your work. Chandler, thanks so much for being here on this Labor Day holiday. Thanks to Donnie Kirkpatrick offensive coordinator at East Carolina. Don't forget Pirates and the Herd coming up on Saturday at 4 o'clock. Have yourself a great sports week and we'll see you back here here next Monday.
0: This has been the Brian Bailey Show powered by Greenville Utilities and also brought to you by the Angus Grill, Bostick Sug, Bojangles, East Coast Grading, Gavigan Insurance, Greenville Auto World, Papa John's, Greenville Utility Company, Pepsi, The Rick House, Taft Taft and Hagler, and Tiebreakers. Join us next
4: week for another edition of the Brian Bailey Show right here on Pirate Radio.